Welcome into the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, not joined by my co-host, Nick Musto, today. We apologize for our extended absence. Nick's in Montana, enjoying the great western world of the United States, and I have recently transitioned to coming back to school. So we apologize for being gone, but we're going to get right back to the thick of things. Today it's just me. We are set up in our new podcast studio at school. I love it. Um, it's like a dungy closet with a lot more technology in it than um, my spare bedroom. So we're hoping the quality of these shows goes up for you guys. Follow us on our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, at Wagme Fantasy. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Winning with Wagme. It's the New York Times of fantasy football. We're going to have tools such as buy low, sell high, waiver wire pickups, um, start them, sit them each week, and then Ryan Larison's opinion columns. He's a writer for rotoballer.com. Newsletter is going to be picking up. That is winning with Wagme. You can subscribe to it on our website, wagmefantasy.com. Without further ado today, since it's just me, I'm going to make it into a concise episode targeted towards draft day, um, since most of us have already drafted or are drafting very soon. This is for those people who haven't drafted yet. We're going to do six tips for a better draft this year. Tip number one, make positional tiers. This is pretty self-explanatory and common. It simplifies decision-making in the most concise way. You can simplify, uh, instead of drafting from one of the one of 100 players remaining on the board, you narrow it down to a smaller scope, and by putting in positional tiers, you can limit your options to four or five guys, and it clears up your thought process quite um, substantially. You, you aren't clouded by the remainder of the field. You're just narrowed in on four or five guys to decide from. So make positional tiers. It's going to save you a lot of time in your thought process. You know, you're on the clock in your your fantasy draft, and it feels like it's a ticking time bomb, and you're going to run out of time regardless. So you panic, and you click a button on whichever player you draft. Well, by making tiers, you can afford yourself a little bit more time because instead of focusing on 10 to 12 guys, you're down to four or five. And there's really no tier size that one size fits all. It, it varies. You got to quantify a cutoff wherever that is for you between guys. I try to keep mine between four and six people. Some players, such as Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, they get in tiers by themselves. Josh Allen's in a tier by himself. Travis Kelsey's in a tier by himself. You could argue JT's in a tier by himself. Um, that's just how the top of society, whether it's fantasy football society or, or whatever scope of society you're looking at, the top is very narrow. Um, there's a reason why the elites are elite. So make positional tiers. The size of them doesn't really matter as long as if you can quantify a cutoff to make it manageable. Again, four to six is my preferred range of players. Um, but like I said, it could be one or two guys or it could be eight plus. All depends. It's up to you. Second tip, equate the positional tiers to each other. And what I mean by that is 
comparing the positional tiers that you made to the other positional tiers. Um, so, you know, your tier one running backs to your tier one wide receivers. And just how you compare those two different positions, it's all going to depend on the depth of the position, who's out there, um, where they're going uh, on ADP, where you think you can get them, et cetera, and so forth. My general rule of thumb is draft whichever position has the larger drop-off. So, for example, if we're in the early second round and we're in my Tier 2 running backs and my Tier 2 wide receivers currently, I'm going to draft whichever position has the weaker Tier 3. So what I mean by that is we have to, in order to have a successful draft, just suffer the least amount of slippage. Um, so, again, if the round three running backs are much better than the round three wide receivers, I can probably afford to wait to get a round three running back by the sounds of it. Um, I would much prefer to take a, a, a round two wide receiver in that instance, or tier two, excuse me. Um, so suffer the least amount of slippage. Whichever, look, look at the tiers in front of you. It doesn't matter what you're in. Tier two of running back tier three of running back or tier four of wide receiver. It doesn't matter what the number is. It matters what the quality is in the next tier for that position. So if you're drafting between tier four running back and wide receiver, if tier five for running back drops off, the talent uh, drop off is, is immense. The, there's a clear distinction between tier four running backs and tier five guys you don't want to jump off that cliff. You want to get that tier four running back because the lower tier running back, the tier five running back, could make your lineup vulnerable. So equate the positional tiers that you just made together. That is going to be ultimately up to you. But my general rule of thumb when you are deciding just who do you choose in a, in a, in a vacuum between one position, say running back, and one, the other position, wide receiver, tight end. Whichever tier has the largest drop-off, um, you want to draft at that instance because you do not want to suffer that drop-off. Tip number three, prepare, prepare, prepare. Game plans for the first six rounds are ultimately necessary. John Wooden has a quote, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And it's 100% accurate, especially in fantasy football. Draft day is our Super Bowl. It's us picking all the cards. The, the deck of cards is face up. It's up to us to form the best hand. So, to start your game plan, make a list of players that you couldn't pass up if they fell to you at each pick. If I have the seventh overall, I couldn't pass up Austin Eckler if he fell there. Make, I couldn't pass up Cooper Cup. Make a list of players that are going ahead of um, your ADP position. And if they, they fall to you, take them. Take the value. So after you make a list of players that you can't pass up at each pick, you make a list of players that will likely fall to you. And then it's up to you to decide from there and gauge your interest in them in there. Um, so... Say you have the 10th overall spot. You're thinking, uh, Travis Kelsey's going to be on the board. Stephon Diggs will be there. 
DeAndre Swift will be there. Which one am I warmest to? Which one do I want to roster the most? And then map out the first six rounds of your draft by position. For instance, if you're really dead set on Travis Kelsey, map out your road to victory. I like making charts. If I draft a tight end in first round, that means my second and third round pick. I can generally guess who's going to be right there. Um, My second and third round picks will be running backs. Then rounds four through six are wide receivers. So my flow charts, I give myself five-plus game plans to follow, depending on who falls to me in the first and second rounds. Um, That pretty much dictates which positions I will be not chasing but drafting when they fall to me. So I'm going to have a game plan if I draft Travis Kelsey in the first round. Tight end, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. That's the flow of my draft. And then I'm probably going to have a game plan if I decide to choose Stephon Diggs there because I don't like anybody else. I'll go wide receiver, running back, running back, wide receiver, tight end, whatever. You get the gist. You have to map out these game plans based on the position you're going to draft because then it gives you a scope of who could realistically fit into your lineup. So start by making a list of players that you can't pass up. Then make a list of players that are likely going to be your best alternatives or options. And then make a composite. That's what I should call it. Instead of a game plan, a composite for you to fit. Have the flow of the positions. Tip number four, stay strong with big names crashing. Ignorance is bliss, only sometimes. There's a reason for the negative stigma around some veterans, such as A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Antonio Gibson. Do not feel compelled to, quote-unquote, catch a value of a falling star. If you're low on them, and if you have options that you rank higher than them, let them fall further. For instance, I'm anti-A.J. Brown this year. I believe he is not going to be a top 24 wide receiver. He's outside my top 24. Darnell Mooney's inside my top 24. I would draft Darnell Mooney over A.J. Brown. Uh, I'm going to stick to my guns right there. Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, all are higher than A.J. Brown. Just because A.J. Brown goes from a third-round ADP, and in my draft he falls down to the end of the fourth, I'm drafting on the clock, I'm not feeling compelled to take A.J. Brown just because he's going almost two rounds after where he was supposed to go. That's just not my game. If you draft the falling star, you are just hoping that everybody's wrong. Normally, you're going to be right. If you do your homework, you're going to be right. So stick to your homework. Don't feel compelled to change the course of your draft just to catch the value. It's not value. You likely have them much lower um, than where their ADP suggests. So continue to let them fall. Number five. Know when you need to opt for more volatility. Like Goldilocks, there's too little, too much, and just the right amount of volatility. You want to blend your roster with stability and upside to have a chance at the chip. It's simple as that. You cannot play it safe every time you're on the clock. You can't opt for the the safer, um, higher floor player just based off volume. Sometimes you need to take the, the risk on those upside um, endeavors. So, for instance, you can think 
Keenan Allen or T. Higgins? Which one has a higher ceiling? It's T. Higgins. Which one has a higher floor? Keenan Allen. You can't go, you can't sway one side or the other every pick. You can't hammer out upside, upside, upside. You can't hammer out stability, stability, stability. You need a blend in order to have one of the highest ceilings to win. Because if you lean too heavily into one side, you fall off that curve. If you play it safe too far up often, uh, your ceiling is nowhere near the league contenders. Meanwhile, if you play upside every single pick, your floor is vanished. You're going to be left out to dry certain weeks. So, for instance, if you have Jamar Chase and you're looking for your wide receiver too, and you're deciding between Jalen Waddle and Cortland Sutton, take Jalen Waddle. His volume is much safer. His floor is higher. You need someone to level out those peaks and valleys left by Jamar Chase. If you have Michael Pittman, go D, or, and then you're looking for your wide receiver too. You're contemplating between DJ Moore and Mike Williams. Go Mike Williams. You need that upside. Pittman's a relatively safe player. So blend it together. Don't lean too heavily into one side or the other. If you want to hear more about volatility, go to our website. I just made a really in-depth article on it a couple weeks ago. Um, It's called Measuring or Assessing Volatility When Drafting. You'll be able to read it at wagmefantasy.com. It'll be on our blog section. Tip number six. Have an answer for why him in the late rounds. And this is pretty self-explanatory. You're probably going to gawk at this and say, well, no shit. Well, I see it too often to not mention it. It's a pathetic pitfall for fantasy managers. It's just flat-out lazy of them to just select whoever in the double-digit rounds because they view all players at the same. That is not the case. There's still great players with grand opportunities available in the double-digit rounds. Last year, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Debo Samuel... All were going in round nine or later. There's league-winning opportunities in the double-digit rounds. It's just up to whoever can rationalize that pick, predict that breakout. Whoever ends up getting the most of them is going to win the league. Even if you don't get a league winner, you still should rationalize every pick. You need to answer why him in the later rounds. From backup quarterback to streamer tight end, If you rationally select your roster, it's going to end up much more formidable, um, daunting on your opponents. Even as, don't slack on your backup quarterback. That's the insurance policy to your team. Same thing with a streamer tight end. You know, you call them a streamer, but if you draft a top six tight end in round 10-11, say Cole Komet breaks out this year, that's one of my guys, you'll be much happier because you rationalize that pick out you realize the potential in his opportunity. You saw that he's going to be a target volume hog this year and break out in a different way for fantasy football. By answering why him, you'll better your odds of landing a league winner in the double-digit rounds, and regardless, your roster will be complete and sturdy. So let me reiterate. Six tips. Tip number one, make positional tiers. Tip two, equate those positional tiers to each other. Tip three, prepare, prepare, prepare. Game plans for the first six rounds. Make yourself composites to be able to stay liquid 
and draft whomever is available there. Tip four, stay strong with big names crashing. Tip five, know when you need to opt for more volatility. Tip six, have an answer to why him in the late rounds. That's going to do it for this mini cast today. In a couple days, Nick gets home from Montana. He'll join us back. Uh, we'll be going over breakout sleepers bus, getting you ready right before your draft. Hopefully you haven't drafted yet, and hopefully injuries don't derail your uh, preseason roster right now. The, I'd like to introduce the Wagme Warzone to us right now. That is our in-house league. Um, a lot of competitive players in the Wagme community. It's a 12-team league. We're going to shoot a podcast every week for it. Basically, it's going to be us ruthlessly trash-talking each other, but we're also going to have um, appropriate, objective analysis on certain players and teams. So stick around. It'll be an entertaining weekly podcast. Also diving into important teams and uh, conversations about the fantasy season. Our in-season content and newsletter is ramping up. I'm really excited to share this with you. Winning with Wagme is going to, like I said, be the New York Times of fantasy football. We're going to have trade targets, buy low, sell high activities. We're going to have waiver wire claims and targets for each week. And then we're also going to have stardom sit'em, uh, our typical love-hate segment. Follow us on our socials. Connect with us. I love talking to people. I love arguing. Um, there's a lot of arguers out there, especially on Facebook. I love it. Bring it. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, at WagMeFantasy. Don't forget, subscribe to our newsletter. We keep mentioning it. You're going to miss out if you don't. Visit WagMeFantasy.com to catch up on all that. Thanks, guys. That's going to do it for today.